I'm training this week, so my my trainee was stuck to me like glue, even at, at break time. So I didn't get a lot of time to do much more than just kind of start reading. And then I, you know, I quickly realized, well, shit, she's not going to let me, you know, just sit here and just read. So excuse I me, I have a it. comic book to read. Would you exactly. mind leaving? But also, in fairness, <laughs> I mean, I, I really did judge it by a by about the fifth or sixth page, and I'm like, wow, this is really this is shit. Back to the bin. Um, uh, yeah, just had a thought, and it was just like that, it was gone. Poof. Died of loneliness. <laughs> Poor little thought. <laughs> Never did no harm to nobody. I do do. Um. Wow. Yeah. What was I going to say? <laughs> Damn it! Damn it! Curse you, thoughts. Hmm, uh, I don't know. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> Should answer the goddamn phone. <laughs> Sorry. Did we lose Scott? I'm here. Oh, okay. So stay yeah, with us. Talk to me. <laughs> Don't you go nowhere. Talk to me. Talk I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. If you like Jose Rivera, boom, <laughs> gonna miss me a Comic Con. Paul will be with all his buddies. Gonna have a good time. I can't think of any more lines. So I'll just get lost in the rain. <sighs> I'll bring it in if you want to. Uh oh, something's up. Scott's volunteered to bring it in. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I don't know. What, what do you got up your sleeve? What are you, what are you, what are you plotting over there? Hey, uh, want to see me pull a show out of my ass? <laughs> what that trick not, never works. Not that old gag. <laughs> Shut up, asshole. <laughs> Don't you see Bullwinkle Bull the Moose just fist pound Rocky right into the ground? One He's one Moose times. and Squirrel, two assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Natasha, take off your dress. What? <laughs> oh my God, you're a man. <laughs> All right, so uh, feel free, bring it in whenever you like. I, when you were shut up, I will. No, no, see? you know what? Now I'm never going to shut up. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the whole point. Now that you want to bring it in, we're going to just keep babbling. Oh, good lord! Hey, be quiet out there! I don't know. They're all. <laughs> It's like the, it's like the little monkey on uh, in Bugs Bunny, <laughs> the, the one with, with the organ grinder, and uh-huh. Bugs Bunny chases him away, and he goes over to the gorilla to tell him what happened. <laughs> exactly. I can like see that. where this episode's going already. You say that every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you think I need man. to go read them the right act? 
No. Are you not, do you have are you drinking like a like an energy drink or or Mountain Dew or something like that? Who me? Yeah. <sighs> Why do, do you have? That? I got diet Mountain Dew. Because it's like it's like recording with Honeywell. Oh come on, man! You saw me. You're all. You're just. The... You're all. You're all hyped. That's Bill. I came home from work. I took a nap, <laughs> and then I went to my son's open what house. What are you sixty? <laughs> what are I you, like Paul? Saves? I was Jesus tired. Christ. I was tired. So I got I was... up and I took a nap. <laughs> then I needed to rest a little. <laughs> I came home from work. I'm like, well. I can't really accomplish anything because I got to go to my son's open house. I thought he was coming with me. So I come home. I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I caught like a 45 minute snooze. Then I've I get up, up the old rascal. <laughs> so I, I called my wife house and the door was closed. So I just went home. I called my wife and say, all right, so what time am I going to be there? I got, this is at five 30. Uh, all right. So I got to be there at six, right? Yeah. Okay. And then she says, well, you're just going yourself. What? Wait a minute. You told me I had to take Ben because Ben wanted to go. Well, he doesn't want to go now. Well, like, why am I going? I don't. I've been to school. Why do I need to go to open house? <laughs> this isn't fair. When are uh, when are the contractors coming by your house to put the little chair in to bring you up the stairs? <laughs> I don't have any stairs. I'm in a one story home. Oh, okay. I just got to get the little ramps made for the entrance. <laughs> and then you, you, I understand those rascals are mighty cheap nowadays. And I gotta get those 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 uh, little armchair things put in at the toilet so I can pick myself up. <laughs> which, the, the little seat in the shower. <laughs> which which on a quick side story, one time, like this could be a pre uh, starting up real life with Doctor Bill. All right, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, it is time for real life with Doctor. We Bill haven't Robinson. even brought the friggin' show in yet. Excuse me, excuse me, you're interrupting a bit. <laughs> Forget it. The whole the show the whole show's oh. ruined now. Oh, it's all right. ruined. I, I, I can't, I can't like walk this. under these conditions. So when I, oh wait. Hi honey. We're recording right now. Can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> See, she's completely being quiet. She doesn't she doesn't want to be uh she, she's gonna smack me with something like when I come out. Okay, so it's your wife, not your daughter then. Oh yeah. I wouldn't call my daughter honey. That's just freaky. There's a million Bye, stories in the city, but oh, only one she gave me the glare. House. She gave me the glare and the eyes, the the, the fingers to, to the eyes. Uh oh, I'm she's looking at you. She's watching you. The good eyes or the bad eyes? The good oh, one, the, the one with the sty in it. <laughs> hey, if you guys don't hear from me, just saying. <laughs> so anyway, uh, one time when I was really, really hungover and drunk at a friend's house. They were taking care of this elderly... No, this was actually years ago while I was in the Navy. And an insert song there, and go on. So uh, I'm over at, at his house, and I go in the bathroom, and I'm hungover, and I got a, I got a barf. Too much so there, there's the chair. There's the chair with the handles there. So I just I kneeled down, I grabbed the side handles, and just... It was great, because I didn't fall in the toilet, and I had something to lean on. I, I I came out and told everybody I was like that was fantastic I gotta get one of those just for parties because it was just I think great. Lean on Me should be the music in the background during this part I, I think I should just edit it right out or just bleep the whole freaking. <laughs> <story>. <laughs>
That's the worst. That's the worst real life with Bill, Doctor Bill Robinson ever. The vomit uh, story. Oh, I got tons of vomit stories. I get a million of them. So this, this could be real vomit with Doctor Bill Robinson. <laughs> real vomit with Doctor Bill. I mean, I've been. Thank God I don't drink anymore. I'd be dead by now if I did, because I used to beat up trees and uh, fall on ironing boards and wake up in bathrooms. Yeah, just horrible. Horrible. So, Scott, you want to bring it in? You drove You drove off Scott. I hope you're happy. <laughs> you and your crazy tales of drunken frivolity. De- debauchery. Debauchery with Dr. Bill. Dr. Debauchery. Major Dr. Uh, debauchery. Dr. There, debauchery. There's, there's a price to be paid for that, you know. Debauchery? Maybe that's where my kidney stones came from. Hey, everybody. Ben's here. You know those comic book things? We're going to talk about them. That's it? That's bringing it in? That's it. That's that's all I got. <laughs> all right. Next time on an old... <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's up first? Who's got the marble? Whoop! I guess that's me. It's a was quick. Wait, 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 dinger. Wait, wait a minute. We got no comic news. Or... Right. Actually, I don't have comic news, but I do have something I wanted to do before we got into the. Yeah, into that this. was kind of fast. Yeah, Scott's rushing through. He wants to. He wants to see if we can get the show done in five minutes now. See, he gave me a hard time because I took a nap. He wants to go to bed, or he wants to go finish off his early bird dinner discount somewhere. I I didn't sleep much of anything this week. I, I do have to be up early in the morning, and I want to go hit a park after work tomorrow. So, yeah, I, I, I don't want to be doing this episode at 11 o'clock. So Maybe yeah. you should have took a nap like I did. <laughs> I just got home. Uh, you could have taken a nap instead of been involved, being involved in this conversation for the last 40 minutes. I mean, if I could set my car on, like, nap mode and just, you know, chill out and let it drive me home, I would totally do that. But, yeah, that'd oh, be that the was... only way I would have got a nap that's, today. That's the whole reason Scotty got his license. So you could... <laughs> what, what other purpose is there in him getting his license at this point? Hire him out as your chauffeur. He's got his own job. He's working. It's He's good. not even here right now. About time for him to stop pulling his weight. Damn straight. Boy, you better pull your own weight, or you're going to hit the brick soon. So by the time this show airs, we're going to be getting pretty close to New York Comic Con, which also means we're going to be getting pretty close to my cancer walk. And I put links on the page, and I will continue to do so and annoy everybody. Uh, I've been doing this for 10 years now. You guys are well aware of it. And I'm always just trying to raise awareness and see if I can get some donations. And I just wanted to read off the list of two true freaks people who have donated so far because I want to thank them all. And they're listed in alphabetical order based on their first names on my list here. So we Is it start- Hungarian alphabetical order? Yeah. Starting with the letter D. <laughs> starting, starting with the letter <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, so we have, I have so far received donations from Andy Leyland, Dario Gonzalez, David Pascarella, if they printed a little smaller, it would be even easier to read, I guess, here. Yeah. Uh, Where's my glasses? Yeah, really. Gene Hendricks, Michael Engel, uh, Neil Stamfer, Scott Rifen, Tim Elliott, and Dr. William Robinson. 
So I want to thank every one of them for making donations to the cause. It's very much appreciated. You're all sponsoring today's episode. So you could be happy that all the money goes towards pancreatic cancer research and none of it goes to Scott Gardner. Scott, you still there? I have no idea what to say to that. I really don't. <laughs> oh, not the pig <laughs> picture again. <sighs> that's what you when get. You just, that's when what, that's you sneak what, that in. When you told your stupid Dr. Bill story, your real life uh, story. God, I hate that's, that. That's your punishment for your Dr. Bill story. I'll just shrink it back down. I don't want to look at the Why thing. am I being punished? <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, you've become the target tonight. <sighs> you guys bitch and complain and whine and cry when I'm not here. And then when I am here, I'm just I'm just the butt of jokes. I'm just the whipping boy. Yeah. We love you, man. <laughs> yeah, right. I can feel the love. Ah, uh, come on. It's all Where's good. that a kidney stone? <laughs> it's uh, you'll know that when you have it. <laughs> no mistake in that. Yeah, actually, I can speak from experience on that one myself. Although I didn't have to have a surgical uh, pro- procedure over it, <laughs> but it Sorry. is it is pretty nasty when you feel it. <clears throat> so, either you dudes got any actual comic book news? Uh, well, we did a little pre-talk. I was talking to about a sale at Yancey where I picked up a nice haul of new Avengers books for a buck a piece. Regularly, you know, three ninety nine per issue. They were all a dollar piece. I got about eighty four issues, so I filled a bunch of holes. I picked like the, got the first fifteen issues of Uncanny Avengers, which I'm starting to read. So far, I've read n- number one. Uh, which number is, uh, one. One. So and uh, that's pretty much all my new comic news for the moment. Uh, I know there's been some. Oh, the, it was just out today. Apparently, The Rock is going to be Black Adam. People have been speculating about that for a long time now that he would fit that role very well. But certainly, appearance-wise, he's perfect for it. Oh, especially after the miniseries that would ha- that you know during during Fifty Two, and then that small miniseries that took place a- afterward, like the six issue. I mean, he they even almost drew him looking like The Rock. He just looked. Yeah, I think that's great casting. But who's playing Cap? I don't didn't I didn't catch that. I don't know if that's been cast yet. Did you see anything jo- on Jonah that? Hill. <laughs> Jonah Hill. Who the hell is that? He's, he's kind of a nerdy. You're not serious, right? No, I'm, I'm I just I just wanted to pick out somebody who's definitely maybe for not Billy Batson, maybe. But... No, not even that. He, he's he's kind of a like a nerd. He an actor. He's nerdy. He was overweight. I don't believe Him? he actually oh, is. Oh yeah, any he did slim down. He was in the 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street movies. Yeah, he, and get him to the Greek, I think, and super bad. This is and, the end. And uh, you know, he's he, he's he he's definitely far from the Captain Marvel mode. That's why I just threw his name out. I don't know who would be. Well, I, I would say Patrick Warburton would be, but I can't see him as anything but the Tick. Which I guess they're yeah. possibly trying to redo the bring the Tick back too. He's, yeah, he's probably that. also just a little too old for the part at this point. Yeah. Yeah, but if you if you get Patrick Warburton from ten fifteen years ago, he'd probably be perfect. I'd like to see them get Jackson Bostwick to be the the wizard. I think that'd be a nice little nod to mm. uh, to the classic TV show. That'd be pretty damn cool. That would. Um, be... I don't know. And, who, and who's gonna play mentor? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I wonder if they'll go that route. If they I make it like so. a TV show, and I I doubt it too. No, I think they're gonna go for the high. Uh... 
fantasy level of you know having the cave with the statues and the wizard in there and, and that kind of thing. That seems to be so. more along the lines of what you do in, in the current day and age. Man, I uh, hope so, because if they go with, with anything that DC has done with the character in the comics in the past, say, 10 or so years, it's going to suck. So I hope they go for a very classic, very red... I want, I want this to be not only like classic Captain Marvel, but I, I want this to be the, the film that could make up for us not having a decent Superman movie in God knows how many years now. So I, I have high hopes. I, I hope I haven't set myself up for massive disappointment because nothing DC's been put out, been putting out movie-wise lately has, has thrilled me in the least. But, you know, my, you know, arguably my second favorite, you know, DC heavy hitter would be captain marvel so you know i really want them to do this one right so i'm i'm op- cautiously optimistic just the fact that the rock is involved in it even though he's playing the bad guy does give me some some faith that hopefully it'll be a pretty decent movie because he doesn't usually attach himself to anything that you know on the surface looks like it's gonna, just going to be pure crap you know so uh, i'm not so sure i don't know if i'm on board for that statement <laughs> I'm I'm no you know I'm no fan necessarily, but I mean the ones I've seen of his, it, it tended to be pretty decent productions. Because I got drugged to uh, the remake of what the hell was the name of that? Uh, Escape to Witch Mountain that he did, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh god! But it was actually it was actually a decent little flick. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I liked the role he played in it. So you know, about, you never know when he was uh, the Tooth Fairy. What <laughs> I don't think I saw that. Oh, that one escaped your radar, eh? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'm, and well, I'm, I'm not. Say, I'm not saying that he, you know, that it's going to be bad because he's in it. I think it could be good with him. I'm just saying his his involvement doesn't, in and of itself, give me confidence. Right. Mm. Uh, well, you know, it, it could be fine. That is pretty have, uh, brilliant casting, though. I think. Have you guys? Uh, um, you guys ever watch uh, WWE? The wrestling, you know who not, not in is. years. You know who Vince McMahon is, right? Yes, I do. And you know yeah. his like, his voice. Well, Willie Willie Lacomas on Facebook on Chris Tyler's post because they had a little thread going on about the Rock being Black Adam said that uh, he says there's a part of me that wants to see Vince McMahon cast as as the Wizard only to hear him say the word Shazam in his Mister McMahon voice. Shazam. You know another guy that uh, that I wouldn't mind seeing play Captain Marvel, but again, I think he's just a touch too old for it now. Is the dude from uh, from Mad Men? Because I thought he would have made John a Hamm? great yeah. I thought he would have made a great Superman. Uh, you I'm don't not think so? Sure. I don't think he's too old, but I'm not I sure think if they age him up in that show, don't they? I think he's I think... in his late 30s, early 40s. Yeah, see, that's a little old, you know. If you well, you know, that's if, if they intend to spin this thing into a franchise, which seems like there's not a movie no. that comes out anymore that they're not thinking at least like a trilogy out of. So, I think for those purposes, he may be a little bit old. But I don't know. I mean, somebody just—I don't, I don't know if he's that, bulky enough that, to be the. To, well, to yeah, do. that's true too. But I mean, I don't want to see like a super bulky. I mean, because like neither Jackson Bostwick or the other guy were were terribly bulky either. Um, or even, uh, what's his name from way back in the day? Uh, I always want to say Tom Lyle and I know that's Tyler, Tom Tyler. He was, uh, tall. I mean, he was like a big string bean. He was a tall lanky dude, but 
but he looked really good as Captain Marvel as well. So I, I tend to like Cap to look a lot like like I like to like su- you know see Superman look is like uh, kind of Christopher Reeve style. I mean, where you can well, see that what he's would you think his own muscles and everything, but he's not like a bodybuilder either. He's like he's like muscular but lean. That's what would that's you think of Brandon Routh as Shazam as Captain Marvel? I like that guy a lot, and it pains me to say I don't think so. You know, I, I really like him, but I I can't see him as Captain because I think the problem with Brandon Routh is I think uh, or I'm sorry you, you you said did you say Brandon Routh? Yes, did I did. You? Yeah. So you said Brandon Routh, and, and that's not who I thought of. I thought of um, who's the guy from Tom Welling and oh. and oh uh, oh I know what you mean uh, Brandon Fraser. Brandon that's Frazier, who I yeah. thought was Brandon Fraser. You know Brandon mm. Routh. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that was like a tease. Ah, no. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I, I like don't know either. Guy. Just just the thought just occurred to me when you started saying the Superman guy. See, the whole thing to me is though he should look like a guy who can physically match up with the Rock. He doesn't necessarily have to look like he's tougher than the Rock. In fact, no, you want your villain I, you want your I villain don't... to look tougher. But well, do they do they want to go with another like wrestler? I don't know about that. What's mm-hmm. uh, what's uh, Drax doing? <laughs> yeah, see, I was thinking of David no, Tisa, but I don't know if he's. Uh, you know, he I, might be bound up with uh, Marvel. So. He also might be better like, for for Black Adam himself. No, see, I like the idea of of Black Adam being more the the big beefy like muscle bound, you know, looking like he could just really beat some ass, but ultimately they're on the same power level. And I'm and okay Cap- with him looking tougher, but more I don't want it to be such yeah. a I don't want it to be such a huge gap though. Right. Like, like to me, you know, when yeah. you say John Hamm, I think there's too much of a gap there. Right. But I mean Captain Marvel he'll have to be heroic he'll have to be big he'll have to be muscular but i'm talking i don't want to see them cast a bodybuilder i don't want to see them go for physique first over the classic comic book look i, right. I really want that that look to him because right. again the... i mean the one that i mean the only one we really have to compare him to or at least the, in my mind the only one we have to compare him to live action would be Jackson Bostwick. Jack, Jackson Bostwick, to me, looked like Captain Marvel walked right out of the comics. But he was not a huge guy. I mean, he was he was muscular, obviously, but he was much more like tall, lean, muscular, very similar to Chris Reeve. He, he was not a bodybuilder. Right. And that's kind of the look I want to see of the square, the lantern jaw. And the thing that Bostwick got down perfectly, I thought, that I, for the life of me, I can't think of the guy's name that replaced him because Bostwick only did the first season, and then it was the other guy played Cap for the other two seasons. I can't think of his name, but the thing that that Bostwick had over the guy that replaced him was that even when he's being stern and delivering his little PSA message at the end of the episode to the kids that he would rescue or whatever. He had this playfulness about him. He would he would make little little like he was like 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 there was a secret joke going on that only he was really privy to, you know. So he had a certain humor about himself and a certain um, I don't know. It's hard to put my finger on. And, and Chris Reeve in the very first Superman movie, I thought did the same thing in a lot of scenes. Like there's the part, the little interaction where he's at Lois Lane's apartment. 
and he's you know he spies a look at her underwear with his x-ray vision and then she gets all embarrassed and as she walks away he has this little look that only we the viewers are privy to this little wink and a nod like yeah, he, he knows he was only looking at her underwear with his x-ray exactly vision. you know that he he understands <laughs> the game that's going on between the two of them the little the little sexual flirtation captain uh, marvel could do that in Shazam as well, he, he again, like he, like only he was privy to the joke, and I liked that that, that there was a lightness about it that it, and, and that's the tone I really want them to take with this movie is, please give a throwback to fun, kid friendly comics as they used to be because I man I don't want to see them come out of the gate and this is. Once again, the Dark Knight model applied to, of all things, Captain Marvel, because that would suck. Well, now, did you I was skimming, see, skimming, ahead, through, skimming through Facebook. I thought some, I thought I saw something. I didn't get a chance to read it because uh, I took my nap. And um, but it was saying that that this was going to be a little bit lighthearted. Did you see the same thing, Paul? I no, I hadn't seen anything where they gave an overall take on the on the movie. I just you know I saw a bunch of. Uh, Postings just about the rock being the guy, but that's mm-hmm. all I really saw. Yeah. Now, uh, just I, just I a, as so. a thought to to work off that, the the rumor I heard for John Hamm was Doctor Strange. Yeah, I've heard mm-hmm. that too. Now yeah, he could do it because he could definitely play the arrogant doctor, and I think he's a good enough actor then to be able to play the now humble guy who's learned the magic. Uh, so I, th- I think he could potentially be a good fit for that role. But the other guy I heard, and I don't, you don't watch Game of Thrones, do you, uh, Scott? No. Because, uh, what's his name? Uh, Peter Baelish is another guy who I heard who I liked for Doctor Strange. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Well, ba- that's the character's name. I'm yeah, that's sure. the character's I'm not, name. I'm not yeah. sure what the actor's name is. Actually. Oh, okay, I gotcha. But, uh, you know, that's that's another one. I mean, I think they've... I, I don't know if they've officially announced Doctor Strange as being in the next wave, but it seems like it's uh, you know it's the pretty much dudes, a given. The dude that uh, what the hell is his name on the show Ward on Agents of Shield? Yes. Oh yeah, I could see mm. him as a, as Captain Marvel. Yeah, maybe a little. I don't think he has the physique though. He's, he's, got, the, he's got young. Height. I, I think I think he's young, but like you say, they're going to be looking to probably do a trilogy if it catches right. up. So I wouldn't right. worry so much about the youth. Uh, and I think he's got the height. And I, you know, what's his name? Uh, uh, you know, uh, Star Lord didn't have the build, and apparently he did by the time they filmed. Oh, that's right. True. So what I, about I don't the know. Oh, that Ward guy. Sets. That Ward guy. I mean, you know, they they've shown I, I think gratuitously for the female audience they've shown him you know without his shirt on and stuff. The guy's pretty cut. It's just he needs to bulk up. If he was yeah. going to play a role like Captain Marvel, he'd have to put on some some bulk. But I mean, it's not that he's not physically you know in shape. I mean, he's he's you know he looks like he works out pretty well and everything for the role, and he kicks a lot of ass on that show. But I mean, he's just got that classic, like chiseled feature. He'd have to kind of lighten up a little bit, but that could be his character on the show too. I mean, yeah. on the show, he's supposed to be kind of, you know, this this grim, you know, practically an assassin, basically. So that's kind of the role that he plays. But if you could get him to, you know, lighten up and smile and have fun with the role, I mean, possibly somebody like that. But again, he might be a little young, so I, I don't know. Now, what about Channing see... uh, Channing Tatum? Oh, please no. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Did you see the uh, 
the animated feature with Superman and Shazam that they had made? The one that was part of the the DVD series that was coming yes. out, the little short. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's I, like I a really twenty minute, twenty five minute. See, yeah. I I liked it as a twenty twenty five minute cartoon. Yeah. But I don't think I would like it if that's the tone they take in the movie because I think it was a little bit too dark. Uh, well, the the best they... the best portrayal I've seen of Captain Marvel ever was in Justice League Unlimited, and we we had a conversation about this last week with uh, J. David Weider. Do you remember that episode? The, the most the most recent one. You know, uh, I mean, the best yeah. one of recent times, I would say. But I mean, to me, I'm I'm always going to gravitate back to the to the live action show of the '70s because. That I mean, that just is my Captain Marvel. I discovered Captain Marvel because of that, and uh, so that's always going to be you know what I gravitate to. But I will agree with you that uh, how they portrayed him on uh, Justice League was awesome. I really like that stuff. And I, I think if they stayed pretty true to that personality, oh yeah, they showed him in that. That's that's exactly what I would want from the movie. You don't have to make it a kids movie. But you right. want to make it where it's going to appeal to kids and adults, much like Guardians. I would think I would think somewhere along the same tone as far as humor goes would be about what you're looking for. They need to get that guy that did the, I think it was a four-issue prestige format. Was what was it like Shazam and the Monster Society of Evil or something like that? Was, yeah. I think it's the I same think, guy that, that did Bone. Yeah, uh, Jeff... Yeah, it's Jeff something. I can't think of his name. Isn't he the same guy that did Bone? I think it is. And uh, and he did the the prestige format uh, Shazam, whatever it was, a mini or a, or a maxi, whatever it was. He did that, and that was excellent stuff because he he really got the tone of the character with that. So yeah, mm-hmm. they need to get somebody like that to do a screenplay, not get friggin' Goyer to do it again, and then it's all dark and gritty, and he's snapping necks and everything else. I don't want to yeah, see that shit. Hooking up with girls and yeah, well, Mar- I just had Mar- another. Will be, uh, you know, I just had another pick, but I realized the guy I was looking at, he's forty-five, so that's <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> no, uh, David Bor- uh, Bor- oh, from, uh, from, from Bones. Angel. Yeah, Angel and Bones and Buffy. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. I, I think I know the guy. But he's, he's, but he's the forty-five. Guy that, uh, oh, is he that old now? Yeah, he was born in sixty-nine. Oh, he's wow, like a month to... older. He's 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 a month older than I am. So I'm like, oof. No, never mind. He doesn't look it though. No, yeah, but, no, he but again, if you're gonna do, you know, yeah, he could he could probably get away with it for this movie this time. But, yeah. but you're not looking to do one movie and all. They make a movie but... every three years. He'll be 48, you know, because Robert Downey Jr. is what pushing 50 now. He's he's right about 50. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh-huh. apparently, Al Pacino wants to do a Marvel movie, or said he or apparently. Well, yeah, he, he he didn't he didn't come out and say I want to do a Marvel movie because that's probably uh, you know that that would probably be going against his negotiating ability. He said, "Well, if they got a part for me, sure, I'd be interested." Somebody posted that he should be Pip the Troll. <laughs> Honestly, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy versus uh, Big Boy Caprice, I think that'd be all right. I'd pay money for that. I'm I'm I am not a uh, an Al Pacino fan of you know his acting ability. I am well, not either. I, the only thing I've ever really tr- truly enjoyed him in was uh, when he was Big Boy in Dick Tracy. That's I, I love that movie. Well, I'm but, I'm a that, huge I, fan of the Godfather movies. And see, I, I I love the Godfather movies, but I don't really care for him. Even even in those movies, I don't really care for him. 
Ow! Sorry. I also, uh, I, I mean, as far as his movies go, there's there's the two Godfather movies, and then there's uh, Dog Day Afternoon. And after that, uh, you know, I can take or leave all his performances. Well, isn't he another one of those actors that I, I, I hear there a number of actors where people accuse them of after a time, they're not really acting anymore. They're just being themselves over and over again in, in all the movies they're in. I think he's top of the list for that. You know, and it, it applies to people like uh, like say Jack Nicholson and uh, who'd you say? De Niro. Yeah. And I, I think that uh, I think Pacino's the same way. I think after a time, he's he's not even trying anymore. He's just he shows up and he's Al Pacino. And the only movie of of you know past say Godfather. And I mean, I won't profess to have seen everything the guy's ever done because I really don't like him that much. But everything I have seen him in past uh, the Godfather movies, he just seems like he's the same friggin' character every time. And the only time that ever worked for me was Dick Tracy because he was not only Al Pacino, but he was like Al Pacino just completely unleashed. And it actually worked really well for that character and for that movie. So for in that one instance, I didn't mind because, I mean, he chewed scenery, but he did it very, very, very well. It was very enjoyable. I really liked the, the portrayal he gave yeah, in that. Yeah, because the role called for him. They said, exactly, you know, chew, yeah. chew up as much scenery as you possibly can. That's what the role is. So that, yep. that fell right into his uh, wheelhouse. Uh, yep. you, by the way, the bone guy is Jeff Smith. Smith, yeah. That's yeah, right. I can see where we had such a tough time remembering it. It's such an uncommon name. <laughs> yeah, I don't get a lot of Smiths you, around here. <laughs> you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Yeah, more Robinsons and Gardeners around. <laughs> I said that to somebody checking in the other day at Disney, and they were like, really? I'm like, no. No, <laughs> not really. Uh, I get some gullible folks, but anyway. Uh, right, so you want to do some comics, or are we just going to call it yeah. a night on that? Got to take a nap. <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of wondered if maybe we had all this talk because we were we we're just putting off talking about this oh, quality books, magical assortment of of quality books that we have tonight. And this was I, not planned. We somehow picked. No, we, I think you guys I do this. I, I really have started to. Believe we pick the shit when you're on, you and we got, do the yeah, books exactly. you love when you're not. Yes, and we exactly. mentally yeah, we I used think our you mental do it just to piss me off. I really think you do because no, that's just, I have that's noticed just a happy a byproduct. <laughs> I have noticed a trend that you cry and you whine that I'm not around. I'm not. Oh, Scott's not available again. And then when I show up, it's like, hey, he's going to be with us Wednesday night. So let's get the shittest books that we can find. Yeah, that'll fix his ass. And then when I can't make it, they're like, hey, let's choose the choicest books that we can that we know that Scott would just give his left arm to be here for so that he'll bitch and complain about it. I'm like, yeah, sons of well, bitches, I'm on to you. I think you got something there. But it's just, it's really just a happy uh, accident. But, uh, yeah, whatever. You're going to meet with a happy accident here eventually. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit and I'm going to tell you in advance Bill's book is the best of the three. Bill, what b- book did you pick? That's scary. Well, since we're moving right into the Marvel, I went kind of random style. And again, like last uh, time, I wanted to go outside of something I had never read, hadn't even wanted to read, and said, all right, I'm going to sit yeah, down. Yeah, I wonder and why. I'm going to sit down and make myself read this. My book tonight, Brute Force, Protectors of the Environment, number one. That first, now, first issue. Now, if this was Fruit Brute Force, it'd probably be pretty decent, you know, especially if it came with like a sample pack and some, you know, 
dried milk or something. But I don't yeah. right, I right off the bat, how heavy handed is this in its message? The uh, the bottom of the of the cover says the animal kingdom joins the fight to save planet Earth. Now, now, if it was Disney's <laughs> Animal Kingdom, I'd be all about that. But yeah, the, in this case, not so much. <laughs> all right, this now, like, giving you the lead in like, bill, go. The, the cover <laughs> on run. this, no, the cover on this looks like Fish Police meets the Transformers. So there's an image for you, folks. Yeah, yeah this, this got... is a book I can honestly tell you I would never have picked up on the newsstand. This Never. one is, yeah. I mean, the cover, like we were saying before, I don't know if it'll be in the episode. We don't know if this was a, a plug for a toy line or what, because on the cover you have a dolphin in like a bodysuit. He's he still has his fin and his tail, but he has arms and legs and he's carrying an Uzi. I would say, imagine a cross between again, like a transformer like Bumblebee. and Bumblebee is... yeah, like a cross between Bumblebee and Iron Man's uh, subsea armor. With a dolphin head, and that's pretty much what you got going on. <laughs> and a fin. On. And a fin. And a tail. And he's got... Uh, and and then he's the coolest he, one. What? What do you mean the coolest one? What about hip-hop? I think hip -hop? The dolphin's the coolest one. You don't think the kangaroo called hip-hop is cool? He's nah, a kangaroo he's... on a hover-round. What the hell is that about? <laughs> kangaroo was annoying. I'm sorry. And well, then we're, got... we're already getting into critique. Right? Why don't you give us I know, I know. Still? Okay. All right. Wait. Wait. Really? <laughs> You're going to let me synopsize it? Synopsification of America. All right. How many pages is your synopsis? I want to know before you even start. <laughs> it. Well, I don't know. It's all one long thing on Notepad. It's not long. I oh, promise. Okay. It's all one long thing you just said. Is con in it's, it? It's not long. There's no con. I never once. There's no Star Trek jokes or any references to con. Is there singing? They're Maybe. singing. Maybe. The silence. <laughs> All right. Let Paul do his book while you do a rewrite. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> Screw you, Benny. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> anyway. We are so far off the rails here. <laughs> All right. Marvel Comics. Cover date, August 1990. On sale, June 12th, 1990. A whopping $1 for this. Wow. One dollar. <laughs> Editor Bob Badansky. Badiansky? Whatever. Is he still editor? Yeah. Probably lost his job after this. And on the cover, our penciler was Jose Delbo and their inker, oddly oh, enough, Joe Sinnott. Not, not the artist of uh, NFL Super Pro. <laughs> I, I he found something. <laughs> he found a way to, to lower himself. <laughs> I've been searching for uh, something what? to make Super Pro That's, look good. <laughs> I, I couldn't figure out where I've seen this art before, and that, thank you because I was like, I know I've seen this art before, but I couldn't place it. I was thinking it was like Kicker's Ink, but uh, but no, yeah, NFL Super Pro. Yep. <sighs> All right, on the cover, we have five creatures leaping at uh, towards us. Each is encased in a cybernetic suit. We have a dolphin, an eagle, bear, lion, and a kangaroo, and they're springing into action. And as Paul told us before, the tagline at the bottom is, The Animal Kingdom Joins the Fight to Save the Planet Earth. Writer is Simon Furman, which I don't know if he ever did anything, anything else after this. <laughs> the first thing he did was change his name. <laughs> yeah. 
That oh, name no. definitely rings a bell. I don't know. I think he has done something else. I couldn't tell you what off the top of my head, but the name's the name does ring a bell. And the interior pencils are also Jose Delbo, inker Mike DiCarlo, letterer Janice Chang, and colorist is Nelson Yamtov. Like Molotov, but different. Our story is Fast Feud. Fast and the Feudious. Based on characters developed by Charles Charles Viola. Which, again, we don't know if this was for toys or what. Anyway, four clowns armed with Uzis burst into a la- into the lab of Dr. Donald... Excuse me, not Dr. Donald. Dr. Donald Blake, no. Dr. Randall Pierce. Interrupting the delicate surgery he is performing on a gorilla that is being placed in a cybernetic power suit. Pierce insists that he finished the surgery, but the clowns want the monkey now. Before he can stop them, they grab the ape, awakening it. But it's still in pain and goes on a rampage. The, the little ape was enraged and ripped the little elves' lungs out. The, the costume... <laughs> not <laughs> That's an old Saturday Night Live joke. Somebody will get it. The costume, not-so-funny man, shoot it with a tranquilizer and roll it out the door, wishing the doc and his staff a nice day. Later, at the Multicorp World Headquarters, the enigmatic Mr. Frost, head of the company, is presenting a check to another environmentally safe company and schmoozing with the press, going on about the great work that they do for the world and the environment. Take note of the company's symbol, two hands reaching towards each other across the earth. Or are they grabbing the earth? Hmm? Dr. Pierce arrives to tell Frost about the ape abduction, but a swift underling has already given him the down low on the info because he's the boss, not Dr. Evil. No. He tells Pierce not to worry and say nothing to the press. Everything will be fine. Back at his lab, Dr. Pierce listens to the Expositional News Network, copyright Michael Bailey, describe recent events in the Amazon basin as the Flex Corporation was flexing its muscle to clear out jungle areas and villagers for grazing space for cattle for its vast fast food franchise. He laments the loss of the gorilla and is deciding that perhaps his whole idea of cybernetically enhancing animals is a waste of time. Yeah, well, nothing like to be against the laws of man and everything else. But anyway, when in walks his little son, Ricky. Ricky, unsuspectingly, poor Ricky, he didn't know that dad <laughs> was having a bad day. He tells dad... <laughs> To send the other animals to go get the ape back. What? <laughs> I'm just thinking of Ricky from Superman 3. You can be great again. You're just in a you, slump. You could send the other animals, Dad. <laughs> he tells Dad to send down the other animals to go get the ape. As right, he I'm going to interrupt. I'm sorry, Bill. Who dresses Ricky? <laughs> Ricky, What's up? Ricky, why is he wear? Why is he wearing an outfit that you'd expect to see in a senior citizen home? I don't know. He's rocking that purple shirt with the with the blue with the green like, sweater vest. It's a, no, it's like turquoise. It's like a turquoise sweater vest with and, and then a with, pair of pleated khaki or, or green pants with white sneakers. He is styling. As right, he sorry wolfs, to interrupt you. As he wolfs down a tasty burger. Oh no. They are owned by Flex Corporation, and they're bad. They destroy the Amazon and kick people out of their homes, maybe taking their lives. Ricky is not done at all, <laughs> daunted at all, as he says that the burgers are great. That's what Tasty Tony says. You tell him, Ricky. Dr. Pierce is obviously not picking his battles properly. 
On this one, as the great life lesson is lost on Ricky as he refuses to change his mind and tosses the burger wrapper to the table, where Dr. Pierce sees... Bum, bum, Tasty Tony, the clown mascot that looks exactly like the armed men that took the ape. Using comic deductive reasoning, he surmises that the ape must be in the Amazon with FlexCorp. Yeah, great leap of logic. Idiot. Having a quick change of heart, like a good politician that can read a public opinion poll, he puts his remaining animals into the suits. The eagle, the eagle's name is Soar. Surf Streak is a dolphin. Followed by Lionheart, Hip Hop, and Reckless. A lion, a kangaroo, and a bear. Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> yes, somebody else jumped in on it. Each seems to bicker and fuss, but eventually get together naming... Thank you, Comet. Comet just barked in uh, from the other room. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> naming themselves Brute Force and head <sighs> for the jungle. Elsewhere, a shadowy figure watches as a technician types away, accessing all of Pierce's work on the suits so that heavy metal will be operative by sundown. Headbaggers in leather! Anyway. Some hours later in the Amazon basin, Brute Force arrives by cargo plane, and as they begin to fight amongst themselves, Hip Hop sees the ape being driven away. They all rush out of the plane like the Keystone Cops and either shoot each other or fall over one another, allowing the monkey nappers to get away. However, further along in the jungle, the men that brought the ape there decide to release him and... A few minutes later, brute force comes upon uh, upon the vehicles and men that were trashed by said gorilla. They split up to keep an eye on those guys and track down the uh, simian in the jungle. More animal hijinks ensues as Reckless the Bear uses his Bearzooka Blast on full power and scares the hell out of everyone for miles. Oh, and he also didn't get the gorilla. Pierce arrives back at where the men are being held and recognizes one of them as the head clown, and Hip Hop tries to use some smooth moves to take him down before he can get away. He misses, so Pierce instead rams the guy with his jeep. Enough said. <laughs> Another group comes and gets the gorilla by helicopter before the rest of the team can stop them. They all meet up together where Dr. Pierce notices that the villain is wearing special mesh armor that protected him from the jeep hit. Yeah, glad he saw that after he hit him with the jeep. <laughs> and armor, so he backed up and ran over him again. <laughs> yeah, in armor that only multi-corp security personnel have access to. Da da da! Back at multi-corp, Mister Frost walks in to see his new team of enforcers: a buzzard, an octopus, a rhino, and a shark, all in the cybernetic suits. With the addition of the gorilla, they will be known as Heavy Metal. It's a one-way ticket to midnight. Call it Heavy Metal. This is where you guys are going to cut me off, right? Oh, I did that a while ago. Oh, okay. Well, all that singing was for Chris Tyler, the Heavy Metal Hero. So, and that's it. That's the book. I Okay, I went into this book going, why am I reading this? And about halfway through it I was still asking myself man why am I reading this but when the animals started to actually get in the suits and talk with one another and kind of bicker and kind of get a team and have some personalities I started to see it in a different way I, I, I started to just put, put aside my usual comic prejudice and just let myself go 
and have fun with it with the animals. And I kind of got like a Jack Kirby feel was where I kind of went with it. I'm not, you know, I don't, you know, people, oh, my God, you're insulting Jack Kirby comparing this. No, I mean, I just want to, I, I, I just Jack enjoyed Kirby it. Jack is going to rise up out of his grave and <laughs> slap <laughs> the shit out of you. I'm just telling, I'm just warning you. I meant it as a concept with the animals in the suits. I could see Kirby drawing something like this is where I was going with this. <laughs> like, like, I would see how, ja- I would like to see how Jack Kirby would draw this or well, write I, this. You know what, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of the slightest benefit of the doubt that there is a slight connection when you consider like some of the silly things they did in Commandy. Right. That was kind of the vibe that I was thinking. But no. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you. Screw you! <laughs> no, I, 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 I want you to finish giving your synopsis before I really chime in on what no, I think. No, I'm done. I'm done with the synopsis. I well, mean, not but, your synopsis. Your, your, your oh, take on the book, rather. Yeah, I mean, some, some of the art in the beginning, I don't know, the uh, art-wise, uh, it's, I liked it in some spaces, uh, places it reminded me of other artists, but I cannot place them. The, like, the lead villain guy, I kind of, at some points, got, like, a Norman Osborn vibe from him, or look. I got a Clint Eastwood vibe. An evil Clint Eastwood. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I kind of see that now, yeah. And uh, But I like the idea of the other... Um, I went ahead and read the whole thing. Well, I, okay, I, didn't, I haven't read, read the others because I was curious about the other, the evil uh, creatures. And uh, those, their team, Nate, their names are uh, Uproar. Which is the ape? Uh, tail gunner is the buzzard. Armory is the. Uh, let me see. Ram. Yes, armory is the octopus. Ramrod is the <laughs> rhino. Rhino. And, well, because I just have the names, it doesn't list who they were. And bloodbath is the shark. <laughs> I like the shark the best because he looks like he's got buck teeth. Like you could just see him <laughs> talk like like Professor Frank. <laughs> Jabber jaws. Yeah, that's that would work too. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, come on. The octopus with tread with the uh, tread, you know, he's got tractor treads for for legs and all his tentacles are out. <laughs> I mean, couldn't you see that as a Kirby concept? Picture these as a Kirby concept. I, I would have loved to have had Jack Kirby draw this. Which 1990, he was still alive, wasn't he? Uh... When did he pass away? I don't recall what year, but I don't know if he was active in any way in 1990, whether alive or not. Mm. And I like how the animals kind of bickered, you know, who who wanted to be the leader. And finally, they they picked the eagle as the leader. And uh, they all kind of stumbled over each other at first because they were, you know, they're not used to walking. And hip hop was just kind of like an idiot. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's why I, I didn't like him. Even though, you know, the world loves a kangaroo, but he was just annoying. Later on in one of the other books, he uh, he comes upon, upon, oh, in the later books, the whole environment thing is really ramped up, like, straight to ten. And they just rip the knob off, and it's it's just beating you over the head with it, because the evil animals are attacking an oil tanker, and then the good animals go and fight them, and then Dr. Pierce gets arrested for, like, piracy, Uh <laughs> Then there's a guy that wants to create like a like a pollution bomb and create new humans that are exposed completely 
and mutated by pollution. And it, I don't know if I'm going to read it, read the rest of it. But for the first issue, I could tolerate this. And I, you know, about halfway through, I started to dig it. But after reading the rest of them, I don't know if I'm going to through and read the, the, you know, sit down and read page per page. I skim the rest. Maybe it'll, maybe I'll just do the second one and see how, how I like it. But, but for this, it's, you know, this wasn't bad. It told a story. It made me laugh. It made me chuckle at some point. It had a beat. You could dance to it. Yeah. But apparently you guys have a slightly different opinion. Well, what's, what, you, you, you didn't rank it yet. Oh, well, I don't want to keep. We don't want to keep talking about it first. <laughs> I, I seem like you were passing the baton, and if that's the case, oh, you okay. Want to, well, uh, the, rank it first. I, I will rank it. I do like the cover. I think the cover is kind of. It's, I mean, the cover makes me chuckle with the dolphin in the bumblebee outfit. The yeah, I I didn't think of the Tony Stark underwater outfit. <laughs> but uh, I think I'm gonna. And plus, we got some nice work from Joe Sinnott on it. I can't believe he actually did this. <laughs> but I guess if you got to pay the bills, you got to you got to do something. So um I mean, I think the the cover actually looks a little bit better than some of the interior stuff. But uh, I'm going to give I, I think the C plus on the cover, the interior art does tell the story. A lot of panels, a lot of busy, a lot of reading in this. Um you know, this is not a quick book to read either. I'm going to go for – I think I'm going to give this a C for the, the art. And for the story, later books I would give a lower grade. I'm going to give the story a C-. minus. So I think overall a straight C. You know, it, I wasn't completely disappointed with it when, when I read it. I, I mean I did enjoy it as I said as, as I went through it. I mean, it's not going to light the world on fire because if it does, it would cause pollution, and that would be against the point of the book. So that, that's where I'm at. I, I'm at it with a C. I'm sure you guys are going to be harsher. <laughs> uh, I have a question for you. I want to uh, borrow a, a playbook from uh, from Professor Allen. I'm curious what you paid for this book. Fifty dollars. One million dollars. Uh, I think I got it in a lump. Some in like a uh, like a bought like a whole box of stuff. So I don't. It was it's like you bought like some fish and it was wrapped with this or something like that. <laughs> no, no, no. It was it was like in a lump sum that I got from a buddy. That so I mean it was almost next to nothing, which is probably I guess a good thing. No, I did not pay a dollar in a dollar bin for this, okay. or even twenty five cents. I, I I can't put put a number on it. Okay, well that's that's good. <laughs> I paid five bucks for this. <laughs> I'm I'm going to I'm going to say something to you that my mother has often said to me, which is I, I worry for your eternal soul because the fact that you <laughs> want to grade this as highly as you have disturbs me greatly. I was being objective and not putting my other comic bias. I was looking at it as it is. Ah, all right, fine. Go ahead, Scott. Attack it. Kill. Wow, Jesus Christ. This is a mess. Um, I won't argue with you that the dolphin guy on the cover isn't kind of cool, but that's it. I mean, you have to pull him off that cover and say that's pretty cool because the rest of the cover is just flat ridiculous. 
where this lost me was at the cover, honestly, because I'm looking at this, and <laughs> but is isn't you, it you cool literally... that if you put an eagle into a in, into an armor, he then then he's able to fly? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why did they make the <laughs> and and a, tie, and, a and a lion they can run if you put all those, in an armor. They had to strap all those rockets and jet. Why didn't and, they uh... just make a drone? Why would you take a bald eagle? And put all this shit onto him so that all, the only thing sticking out is his head, which is essentially what they did to all of these these creatures. And that's just that's just silly. But the eagle is particularly silly looking. It's an airplane with the live head of an eagle sticking out of the front of it, and you're like, and what? You wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? And it is kind of got... funny that you know, with the and whole they... environmental thing, is that they they shove these poor animals into suits, which they even complain that they're not comfortable. So wouldn't Pete be all over this? <laughs> no, I understand no animals were harmed in the making of this comic. <laughs> then, you know, you have kangaroos, which can be taught to box and stuff with their feet. They can be deadly with the use of their legs. And what do you do? You take him and you put him in completely ridiculous armor, and then you put him on an ECV. What the hell is that all about? He looks ridiculous. That was just their traveling stuff. That's not how they normally get around. The the bear is driving. Bear, I, don't I don't know what the bear's driving. He's yeah. driving. So, he's like it's like a giant Segway. It's like a super Segway. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's like a Segway tank. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's it's like the SUVs of Segways. It's really well. The thing is, the the mystery solved here because I looked up Simon Furman because I knew that this name was was ringing a bell for me. And of course, what's his big claim to fame? Transformers. He had a great big run on Transformers. Uh, uh. That uh, actually, he was working on Transformers simultaneously when he did uh, this four issue mini, The Brute Force. Um, he also did a hell of a lot of Death's Head. He did RoboCop from Marvel, uh, Toxic Crusaders. Uh, a lot of later issues of Alpha Flight. And then the other thing that caught my eye here was um, one of the more recent projects he did. He did the four-issue um, Annihilation Ronin series, which was one of those lead-up cool. series okay. to Annihilation, uh, the, you know, the first uh, Annihilation <laughs> series. That was actually pretty good. Ronin was one of the better books uh, of the lead-up books for that. So, um I mean, he's written a lot of stuff. It just looks like he's written a lot of, uh, you know, wackier stuff. And man, this—that's the kindest thing I can say about this. Is it's just plain wacky. I read things like this, and I can't help but wonder. Come on, are they are they intending? Like, are, was he trying to be serious, or did they know full well this is just flat friggin' ridiculous? I just Let's took just... it as fun and camp. I wasn't taking it serious. Right. I mean, and I tried to take it in that in that vein, but the fact that it acts like they're trying to do a serious take just made it that much more ridiculous. <laughs> and yeah, it's oh, it's it, the art. You were say you were trying to put your your finger on the R. I think it's the combination of Delbo, who who is a very classic artist, did a lot of Wonder Woman, and Mike DiCarlo. I think that this combination, to me, especially that page um, where you meet, uh, what's his name, Frost, at Multicore mm-hmm. for the first time, this art, especially that page, reminds me an awful lot of uh, Dick Giordano. I, I think it looks a lot oh, like you. Oh, okay. Um. But also, I see a lot of, uh, like, say, Booster Gold in there because, of course, Mike DiCarlo uh, inked 
um, Dan Jurgens over uh, Booster Gold as well. So I see a lot of Booster Gold in there. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, when when the animals are introduced and they're put into their their suits and everything, I was just getting the the biggest Transformers vibe, and I kept thinking, is this have? I kept wondering if maybe it had something to do with. Um, what was the thing with with Transformers and animals? What was that called? Like Beast Wars or something like that? Yeah. I kept wondering if if this was somehow strangely related to that or something. I don't think it is, but well, you know, I watched the animated Beast Wars and that was Oh, wait a minute. I'm thinking, yeah, I was thinking it was when they actually went back in time and yeah. they were there was the Ark or whatever had crashed back on like ancient Earth and they had uh, taken well not ancient cuz they I don't know. It's been that was that. I, you know what? I think that was out in the mid '90s, wasn't it? Or late I '90s? Yeah, I'm not. I'm honestly not That's sure. It's been a long time since I've seen that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I ever actually watched it. I just I knew of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I could I could almost hang with you on some of this stuff. That it, it is an interesting concept. It's, you know, the art's not spectacular. The suits are a little ridiculous, but it's kind of, it's kind of amusing. It's kind of interesting. But what totally blew it for me was you get to that last page and heavy metal. Now, not only is that just an unforgivable, ridiculous pun name for this group, but look (laughs) at them. They are so shit. You've got a buzzard with missiles under its arms. You've got the rhinoceros looks completely silly. He he looks like one of He's those He's got a golden horn. Well, he looks like one of those rhinoceros guys from Did you ever see Oh, what was the movie? Was it Robin Hood? I'm trying to think it was oh, a it Disney, was Disney, the Disney Yeah. One? Yeah, they were the, oh, the rhinoceros yes. guys. Yeah. yeah, they were like the guards at the castle. Yeah. And yeah, he does look kind of like that. The Beast octopus just made it more cool. Yeah. <laughs> the octopus is flat out an abomination, and then the shark, the shark is just ridiculous looking. The nerd what show. is with the the buds the buzz saws for feet? What is I don't get that at all. <laughs> uh, it's well, he's oh, bloodbath. He's gonna rip things up. So you're gonna give this letter grade, Scott? <laughs> F F F F. What what's lower than an F? Anything? Incomplete. Uh, such a thing as like an F. Yeah, incomplete. You, you there you go. In- Just wait till you get to my book. <laughs> wow. This if you think this just... one's bad. Oh my. This was not planned. God. We we picked all these on our own. We did not conf- you know. Uh, I feel like this is the dinner for geeks episode when they tried to pick out the worst books they could. How <laughs> how are you guys picking your books? This was just randomly looking around and went, you know what? I'm going to do this. Okay. All right. Because we we need to go back to like random number generators or something because wow. But yeah, I mean, what's the lowest? I mean, the low, whatever the lowest is, is what this gets. This is crap. Well, the lowest is F. All right. Well, it's an F. It's a solid F. The art I'll be slightly more merciful on, and that I'm gonna I'm just gonna be honest with you, I'm gonna be slightly more merciful on the art just because I've actually met Jose Delbo and he was the sweetest old gentleman. And I felt I kind of felt like an asshole that I took NFL Super Pro number, number one <laughs> for him to sign just to be an asshole. And he was actually, oh, Super Pro. And he was all excited about it. And I was like, oh, and then I felt bad, you know. But of course, I took other books too. 
But he was he was incredibly nice. I, I can just see he hands it back to you, like crumble it and stick it in your pocket. But yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, if he had punched me in the throat, I would have totally deserved it. You know what I mean? So I can't say unkind things about Jose Delbo. He was a, just a, a hell of a nice guy. And well, it's not that the art's necessarily bad in this. It's just I, I'm wondering who actually designed the characters, you know, the animal characters, because they, the the idea of giving animals uh, a form of human, inte- you know, like human level intelligence, and then weaponizing them. I mean, it's, that's not a bad idea. And, you know, I mean, it's a, you know, it's, it's a far fetched idea, but it's interesting. You could do interesting things with, it. I mean, hell, not too long ago, uh, Grant Morrison and Frank quietly did uh, We Three, which actually I can't believe I'm going to say nice things about Grant Morrison, but that wasn't a bad book. So, I mean, and that's the same basic com- uh, concept. It was a, was it a dog, a cat, and a, yeah, I see what the I, other animal was now. But they, it was the same idea. They had given these animals more or less human level intelligence and they had weaponized them. It's the same damn story, essentially. So, I mean, but it's this not, came first. Right. But it's not <laughs> they the stole it. Is <laughs> they stole it's his just, idea. It's just the delivery is really. Ugh. Did you look on page 16 where they show uh, actually the lion actually has uh, a different means of getting around from the cover because on the cover he's running but he's got actual wheels right <laughs> yeah he's, he's and then he's the dolphin transform. actually trans the dolphin transforms into almost like a car yeah like, <laughs> yeah if he runs into anything he's dead yeah, he, got, his he looks like a torpedo with wheels but his head is sticking out oh. the front so he doesn't even have a bumper if he if he runs into that tree that he looks like he's about to plow into he's it's going to kill him so oh, yeah, that I is not a good. Maybe he needs change. a helmet. Maybe I should change my grade. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, too late. <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't know. I still, like it. I still liked it. I still liked it. I think that in order to properly review a book like this, you have to factor in its intended audience. And I <laughs> do not think that this book was meant to be read by middle-aged men. <laughs> Would you say that's a fair hypothesis? I would guess that the audience would have been the same ones that would be reading Spidey Stupid Stories. That's exactly. that's my guess. Yeah, Exactly. I think this is a book that's meant for somebody between the ages of 8 and 10. <laughs> so, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are you trying to say? For the kids between 8 and 10 because that I'd were like... riding the short bus, though, is what I'm thinking. <laughs> Going to the special school. Exactly. Uh, no, but I, but I think that's the audience it's intended for. And I tried to look at this and recall what I would have thought of at that age. And I don't <laughs> think I would have been that harsh at, on it. I think I would have read it and I would have found it entertaining. Uh, so based upon that theory, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, it's not terrible. I don't like the artwork. I think the artwork could be much better to be fair uh so i mean the artwork i would probably give a d i don't the think the artwork i think is standard uh what do you call it um licensed comics artwork though because yeah, i think exactly. that's why all three of us thought 
that this was an adaptation of like a Saturday morning cartoon or a, or a toy line or something. And it still may be. I'm still thrown by the fact that on the very first page, it says created by somebody that did not write the book. It says create uh, based on characters developed by Charles Viola. So is that, does that mean it was a toy line? It was intended to be a toy line and it didn't happen. It was going to be a Saturday morning cartoon and it didn't happen. And they just made it a con. What the hell does that mean? I tried to look this up and I found nothing on it. So I have no idea what the hell the story is. If anybody knows, write in and let us know. Cause I, I'm curious about that. I look, I look at the outfit that Ricky is wearing and I think in that age, well, you know, 1990, this was, I think you said, right, Bill? Mm-hmm. In, in yes. 1990, yeah. that's an outfit that somebody's grandmother would wear. <laughs> and they have like the 10 year old boy wearing it. So it's a little weird looking. Uh, I don't, I don't like the artwork, but I agree with you, Scott. It probably is kind of standard licensed toy right. art. Uh, I think the story is, it's just, it's good. I, you know, for lack of a better word, it's kind of a hoot. I get a kick out of it. I think it's funny. Uh, I got a kick out of the dolphin in the outfit. I got a kick out of the characters when they started showing personalities, except for the stupid hip-hop kangaroo. Uh, Is he the vibe of the team? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I got a kick out of I got a kick out of the uh, heavy metal squad. I love the look of the bucktoothed shark. <laughs> I think that the octopus is hilarious. I get a kick out of this, so I'm giving the story a C. I'm not I'm not willing to. to I'm going to say it's it's all right. And uh, yeah, I don't like the cover. So overall, I'm going to give it a C minus as a rating. And I think it's it's just dumb fun is all it is, and it's not meant for us. But I, I can't, in good conscience, recommend it to anybody except if somebody were to give it to an eight to ten year old. That's fine. But that's it. I, I, I got nothing more on it. I still, I still think this is the best of the three. I think you've 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 heard the best already. <laughs> I did have two closing thoughts, though. Is that for one, did the dolphin go on to be the pun fisher in uh, Peter Porker stories? And. <laughs> You said that this wasn't intended for us, so this should actually be part of the new 52 lineup, right? Ooh, burn. Drop the microphone and leave. (laughs) That's it. I'm out of here. (laughs) Go get yourself a tasty burger. (laughs) (laughs) It's made with people. We could we could sit and make fun it's of this one probably dolphins. for another another forty five minutes. But we uh, could actually we should have a part two to this episode, just continuing to rag on this book. We could always do the second issue. <laughs> oh, good lord! You know what? If you if if I were on a desert island, <laughs> and they told me right now you could take one comic, but the only choice the only choices you have are brute force number one or Apollo Smile, I'm taking brute force. <laughs> I don't know. Apollo Smile has scantily clad women in it. You've got scantily clad dolphins in here. Hmm. I don't know. I mm, boy, that's a tough choice. It take you longer to read this, that's for sure. At least this one makes me laugh. Right. I like you. You make me rough. We're 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 running we're running long. So Scott, why don't we move on to the DC? All right, so we're moving to the DC. We have got from December, January 1972 to 1973, we have Adventure Comics number 425. This uh, original cover price on this was a mere 20 cents. It says all new, all new Adventure Comics. Has a gorgeous cover on it by Mike W. Kaluta, and it's a flying horse. Uh, very much like your classic all-white 
uh, Pegasus-style horse, and the horse is flying towards this guy like he's attacking this guy that's... Uh, he looks like a mountain climber and he's, he's hanging onto a rope with one hand. He's got a pistol in the other. He's aiming right at the horse. And I am going to just fess up. I bought the, I've wanted this issue for a long, long time. I've been trying to find it on the cheap. I wanted this cover or excuse me, this comic just for the cover. I thought the cover was awesome. And based on the look of the horse. And of course it's a winged horse and the color scheme of the guy. That's the mountain climber. Somehow I just I had it in my head that this was a shining night story. That's what I always thought. I always thought that, ooh, a shining night story. And of course, that is not the case with this particular book. Um, but I got it at a recent sale at uh that my LCS had for Labor Day. They had a 20% off all of their back issues sales. So this was a dollar, 20% off 80 cents. I can't complain about that. Um, it is, you know, it looks interesting. I have not read it all the way through. This is a real throwback issue because this is a true anthology issue. It's, it's just made up of nothing but short stories by all different, uh, creators and writers and artists and everything. Um, I've read the first several stories in here. Um, I'm only going to comment on the, the first one that's in here, but so far the quality of the first one seems to be carrying through the whole, through the whole book here. So. Here we go. Let me see if I can find the... Strangely on this, there is only uh, story credits as far as the... Well, it's, it's just this here. It's a story by Lynn, uh, Lynn Marin. That's the writer of the story. The artist uh, is fairly obvious that it's Alex Toth, but it is not... I take that back. No, it is actually signed on page two on the fourth panel. It is signed uh, Alex Toth, but it's not actually included as part of the credits. So I think that's why I missed it before now. But like I say, Alex Toth has a very, very distinctive style. So it was kind of obvious right out of the gate that it's Alex Toth. Uh, I'm going to come clean again. I don't really dig Alex Toth. I know that that's sacrilege to a lot of people. He has legions of fans. I'm just not really one of them. This is one of the better Alex Toth, uh, you know, art-wise anyway. This is one of the better Alex Toth stories that I've seen, though. There are some panels in here that I genuinely dig. But overall, I'm just not all that big on Alex Toth. Anyway... The story on this is called The Wings of Jealous Gods. And here's how the story starts. I'm going to just read the very beginning of it. Meet famed professional rodeo showman Chad Hammond. His story about his strange quest starts here, high in the frigid reaches of the Himalayas, within the roofless ruins of an ancient temple. And right out of the gate, this story gives me a feel for what I'm in for because the very first panel appears to be printed upside down. And I'm like, what the hell am I looking at here? I don't know if this is supposed to be some weird perspective shot or anything, but it literally looks like the two characters are talking and the panel is just upside down. It's very strange. But you've got Hammond. Uh, he's come to see this guy. And he discovers uh, this legend about winged hawk horses. And so he, he hires these, uh, what they call bearers, that are going to assist him climbing these, this sacred mountain looking for this temple, for this, this area where these hawk horses live. And he gets up there and they keep repeatedly warning him not to bother the hawk horses, not to do what he's intending to do. But nobody actually tries to stop him. 
And he gets up there and he finds this clearing and he sees a foal all by itself. And he's like, oh, what a catch. So he lassos the foal, intending to take it in and, and take it back with him to civilization when he's attacked by a fully grown winged horse. But of course, he has a, a gun with him and he just empties you know, his gun six rounds right into this poor horse takes it down and that's where we get the uh, actual title panel of the story it's actually again for alex toth i think this is actually a really beautiful panel of this beautiful winged horse lying on its side its wings are all spread out and it's dead and uh i kind of like that sequence so he's lassoed this full and his men at that point desert him because they know that these these horses are like gods and they want nothing to do with him at this point so they they abandon him so he risks life and limb to get back down the mountain and drag this poor foal with him. He's attacked by other hawk horses, but he hides in a cave until they decide to just give up and go away. And he drags the horse the rest of the way down the mountain. And when he gets down there, he runs back into the guy, Wan Ti, who was this aged mystic or whatever the hell he's supposed to be that had warned him that where he found out about this legend in the first place, but the guy had tried to warn him away from it. Well, now he's back and Wan T tells him, he says, wanton infidel. He says, uh, take, uh, take back wingless, uh, that wingless fowl at once. And when, uh, Hammond realizes that, whoops, this horse doesn't have any wings, then he's just going to shoot it and kill it. And Wanti says, no, 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 you know, I'll tell you what, the thing's going to grow out its wings in three years. I'll, I'll come with you and, and I'll, you know, I'll tend the horse for you and everything. It'll be a fast horse. It'll be a good horse and all that. So we fast forward a couple years and Hammond has uh, entered the horse into professional horse racing where, sure enough, it, it proves to be, you know, a big success for him. So he's, he, he's gaining fame and for, uh, fortune with this horse and doing really well. But then, one night, Wan Ti sees that the horse's wings are finally starting to come in. Well, Hammond, at this point in the story, suddenly switches gears. The entire reason he wanted this horse was that it was going to be a winged horse. It was going to bring him fame and fortune and everything. But because it had brought him fame and fortune as a racehorse, suddenly he decides when the wings are going to come in that, no, 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 I can't have that, so I'm going to take him to a vet and have the wings removed. And Wan Ti goes apeshit crazy, so Hammond just guns him down. He kills him in cold blood, and then he sets fire to the barn, burns the barn down. Then, this, I mean, the story just gets more and more bizarre, and Hammond's motivations get stranger and stranger. So as soon as he's done this, it says, literally, the caption box says, next day on network TV, Hammond announces his retirement. I'm like, what? So he was going to not let the wings grow in on the horse so that he continue the horse racing. He kills Wan T to protect this secret, burns down the barn, and then announces his retirement. It makes no sense at all. It was really weird at that point. I could not understand what the hell his motivation was. So he goes into hiding, and he takes the horse, and he goes to this old, isolated, deserted ranch, and he waits for the horse's wings to grow in just so that he can have the ride of a lifetime, he says. So he hops on the horse, takes off into the sky, and once in the sky, uh, they see he sees this white stallion, another one of the full-grown white hawk horses approaching him. And, of course, the horse that he's on 
goes and wants to meet up with the white horse. So then it follows the white horse, leads him on this merry chase that lasts an entire day and night, goes all the way back to the area of the sacred temple and the mountain. And as they're flying over the mountain, suddenly the, the white hawk horse comes down, plucks Hammond off of the back of the horse that he's riding carries him over this nest and drops him into it where these tiny little horses that it says here, needle toothed foals eat him alive. And at the bottom, it just says the ancient Greeks told of the winged horse Pegasus and of the mares of Diomedes, which ate human flesh. Now Chad Hammond has found the origin of both stories. And I guess it's supposed to be like a Twilight Zony twist ending, and it's really just kind of stupid. <laughs> I mean, the arts, you know, some of the panels are pretty decent and everything, and I, I appreciate what it was trying to do. And I really kind of dug Hammond's look because Hammond's look in this story is very, very similar to... Oh, who is that artist? Oh, shit, I can't believe I'm going to blank on his name. The guy that did the Justice League book in set where it was set in the 50s, uh, New Frontier. What's that guy's name? Um, Something with a D. Um, you know who I'm talking about? I know exactly who you're talking about. Thinking. I cannot think of his name. But anyway, the, the way that uh, Hammond is drawn by in this story by uh, Alex Toth looks a lot like how uh, Jonah Hex was drawn in some of the latter issues of uh, of Jonah Hex and All-Star Western by that guy when he would come in and do uh, guest shots. As a matter of fact, I think he was the guy that just did... Darwin uh, Cook. Darwin that's Cook, his. thank you. That's his name. Yeah, looks a lot like that. So I, that part of it I kind of dug. I, I appreciate what the tr story was uh, trying to accomplish, but I just thought it, it, it really it ultimately failed. I mean, maybe that was because of the rush nature of it only being an eight page story. Maybe there wasn't time to truly like flesh out the motivations. But Hammond just seems very mercurial. Like one minute he's about this and then the next minute he's about that. And wait, now I'm going to do this. And ultimately it just doesn't make any sense. Once he burns down the barn after killing Wan T, then it just doesn't make any sense at all. He, he retires, he goes into seclusion, he lets the, the foal's wings grow out just so he can go on a joyride, and he ends up dead. And it's kind of like, okay, whatever. The next story was even dumber, but I'm not going to go into that. It, it oh, come on, was, it was Space Hitler. Yeah, it is. It's Space Hitler, but it's completely <laughs> ridiculous. All right, yeah, so here it is. It's a quick little two-page story where these aliens come down, and they decide because they look like... Uh, because they look like earthlings that they can come down and make contact with us. And we're not going to suspect their sinister motivations. And then when we get a look at them on, on TV, we realize that uh, it's actually Hitler or aliens that look like Hitler. I get, I don't know, but it's Hitler at the end of the story. And I'm like, what, what? It's really stupid. What was but... it that made them suspect? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that's as far as I've gone in this so far. I will eventually read the rest of it, but I'm not holding out a lot of hope of it, of it being much better. I really do like the Gil Kane art in this latter story, but I have no idea how that'll turn out either. It looks kind of silly. And then there's uh, a Robert Kaniger one uh, with art by uh, Alex Nino at the back of it, uh, Captain Fear, which, again, the art's really nice i like the art on this but i have no idea if that'll turn out to be any good or not i don't know if any of these strips continued 
this was at a, I'm trying to remember what this was a transition between. I want to say this was a transition between Supergirl. Uh, I think it was before it. Yeah, I, I'm thinking it's a transition between Supergirl and the Spectre, I think. Maybe. I'm not sure. Somewhere in that. You know what? I had Mike's Amazing World pulled up here a minute ago. Let me see if I might be able to. All right, while you do that, I'll give you my my review. Is uh, Sure, go ahead. My review of this book was... Uh, yeah. I just thought it was boring. It did yeah. nothing for me. I think some of the artwork is not bad. It's got a little appeal to it. But uh, other than that, I, I didn't see any positives to the story. It was just all over the map. Uh, the characters were just not fleshed out and just motivations were weird and... Uh, actions were weird and results were weird and I, I you know this this story wasn't intended for an eight to ten year old this story was intended for older readers than that right. and uh, and I think it failed miserably so story wise I'm giving it an F because it was just there was I, I didn't think the story had any redeeming values at all the artwork I would give a I give a C plus for the art I kind of like it so well, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna average out to about a D. Okay, um, because the cover is relevant only to this particular story, I'm going to include the cover in my grade of it. I bought the book for the cover. I still think the cover is awesome, even though it didn't turn out to be. Um, what the hell was Shining Knight's horse's name? Winged Victory was that his name? I, I thought know. it was. I really thought it was Wing Victory. I honestly did. I thought for sure that this was a Shining Knight story, and I'm disappointed that it's not. But I still love the cover. I'm a, I'm a huge Kaluta mark. I really like my Kaluta stuff. Um, despite the fact that I don't think much of Alex Toth, this is some of the better Alex Toth artwork I've ever seen. And I, I granted, I, I think a lot of it's because uh, Hammond really Victory. reminds me of uh, Victory. That was it, Wing Victory. Um, just, I think it's just Victory. Oh, is it just victory? Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, I, I will fully cop to the fact that uh, his uh, Hammond character really reminds me of, uh, of Daryl uh, Cook's or Darwin Cook's uh, Joni Hex. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's moments I don't mind the art too much. And then there's other moments that are classic Toth where I'm like, what the hell am I looking at? Cause that, <laughs> second panel on page three makes no sense at all. It looks like, it looks like a Cyclops mole man talking to a Chinaman or something. I don't know what the hell I'm looking at in that picture. It just, it's really bizarre. It doesn't make any sense, but the story was just, uh, it, I, I don't know exactly what it was going for, but whatever it was going for yeah, it, utterly I was failed. trying to figure out, okay, I see why he wants to get, well, maybe he can make more, with the horse as a racing horse than a circus right. freak. So I could see why he wants to get the wings removed. But one, how are you ever going to keep that quiet? Right. With a vet. You know, what? Right. A horse's wings? I mean, unless you pay off the guy a lot of money. So then I thought maybe, okay, then I thought, all right, he kills the old man. And he's saying that the horse died in the fire. Because if you read those, those, those uh, two headlines, it says, flying Philly dies. So I'm thinking, all right. Well, maybe he's now going to collect the insurance money for the horse. But why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just right. kill the old man and let the old man die? Why would he make – it didn't make sense that he didn't – okay, if he killed the old man, then he still could have gone through with the whole vet thing. Why did he 
why did he make it look like the horse was dead? That was yeah, just yeah, didn't, didn't make any understand. sense. Yeah, it does not. I don't understand that at all. And then he decides that he just goes off with the horse for a joyride. But again, he <laughs> still could have just gone into a vet or had the surgery done. It, or now, you know, I, yeah, it was just kind of scratching your head. And yeah, it had that short story Twilight Zone comeuppance, you know, you reap what you sow. Right. He becomes, you know, horse feed for the baby horses. But there was, but it, 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 despite their attempt to make it so, it wasn't ironic. No. No. That's the whole thing is it's supposed to be ironic, and it really wasn't. Right. No, it's not. It doesn't work. Maybe really if he work. had stolen the horse to eat it himself, and then he got eaten by the horses. Now we have irony. Right. Or if he ate the horse and he grew wings and he became a circus freak. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, something. It, it, uh, you know, maybe he's, maybe the one thing I like can say, horse. Scott, is with this book that you brought Will to the over. table, with the book you brought to the table, you should complain a little bit less about what we bring. I mean, the these art, horses uh, are not transforming into armor and and fighting. And if they did, it would be soft. awesome. Well, that actually would be kind of cool. Actually, yeah, I can't. I, I, I got nothing. At uh, least your aliens didn't turn out to be Hitler at the end of the story. So yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> All right, are we ready to move Heavy on metal. to our last well, debacle? Just, just real quick, I didn't uh, give a quick grade. I'll oh, just say, hang on, hang on. Oh. Real quick, uh, the issue before this was the last one with uh, Supergirl, and then the issue after this is the classic uh, Adventurers Club issue with Vigilante on the motorcycle. A couple issues after that, you had the three-run Black Orchid, and then the Spectre did start. So yes, this is in that transition period between uh, Supergirl and Spectre, yeah. This must have been the, you know, we have nothing to put out there next month. What, what, what kind of stories do you have in the, in the drawer that we haven't printed yet? I, I think they were going... Spot. I, I, you know, I, it's just a guess, of course, because this went on for three issues, uh, starting with this one, where there was not, you know, there wasn't really like a heavy hitter to, to carry the book. I'm guessing that it's either your scenario where they were just getting rid of some inventory stories, or maybe they were trying to do like a retro throwback to, uh, uh, anthology stories. Cause I think, if I'm not mistaken, the, Next issue with Vigilante, I think that one's an anthology story, too. And then the next one, I honestly have no idea about. That one is, uh, that's that one that has the cover on it of, like, the swamp-looking creature attacking the the cowboy-looking guy who's taking a picture of a couple dinosaurs fighting. I don't know if you know the one I'm talking about. But according to Mike's Amazing World, that one has three stories in it. It has an Adventures Club story, a Vigilante story, and another Captain Fear story. But I think as of the next issue, I think they abandoned all that and just went with the, uh, yeah, the very next one is Black Orchid. And that one's Black Orchid with a backup story of Doctor 13. So I think they were just playing with format at this point. And it wasn't until they got the uh, the Spectre that they really hit on a solid format. Well, I, I was so engrossed by the story that while you were doing your synopsis, I was able to find a blog that talked about brute force. <laughs> And the backstory in it, and I put it up in the chat window. So you can read that at your leisure. Maybe I'll add it to the show notes when, when I uh, post it. it. And basically, nobody knows who Charles Viola is. It's like something that was made up. But uh, it looks like 
that they kind of were thinking that this could have been a spinoff for an animated show and a toy line. Um, I, I just skimmed it real quick. I just happened to stumble across it. I put in, I guess I put in the right combination of uh, search parameters, and boom, there it was under 80 page uh, blogspot, um, uh, 80 page giant blogspot.com from 2012. <laughs> it came from Dollar Bin, brute force. See, somebody paid a buck for it. <laughs> but the story, uh, the cover's not bad. I see how you would be sucked in by the cover, but again, never judge a book by its cover. We all know that axiom. This so, is very but, true. Um, but I don't regret it, though. I mean, the cover no, alone no. was worth 80 cents I regret cents nothing. So, yeah, I regret nothing. <laughs> uh, when you factor that in, that does raise it up. Wiggy, wiggy, wiggy. Man, too much Mountain Dew. Got to cut back. Um, yeah, the story is just kind of off, you know, like we, we've already p- picked that apart and, you know, my grades, meh, <laughs> I'm not even going to give it a letter, meh, meh. <laughs> you're giving it an M, meh, yeah, exactly. This issue is rated M for meh. All right, <laughs> let's move on to the third piece of shit book. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I took F Troop number one as my independent. What the hell are you expecting? Is what I want to know. That I don't know. Show no, this the show had some funny things. In what? It. No, what do you mean the show was? The show was shit. So what I disagree were you expecting? with you. No, I disagree. You know, I'll start off by saying I don't F-troop. know at this point in time how much this show is in the public zeitgeist because people may hear this and say, "What the hell was F Troop?" What about Cowie? If you're one of those people, consider yourself blessed because was, you're better off not knowing what F Troop was. It was I'm a tell. Excuse me, Scott. May I speak? <laughs> <laughs> so F Troop no. was a television series that ran from 1965 to 1967. There was 65 episodes, starring Forrest Tucker, Larry Storch. 64 episodes too many. And and Ken Berry. It it showed the adventures of a cavalry troop immediately post-Civil War uh, at Fort Courage in, on the frontier. And it was a sitcom where the captain was the brainless fool while things went on around him. The sergeant was the mastermind who, uh, in his off days, ran a bar which was against the rules uh, and he had a deal with the local Indian tribe where they were basically producing his alcohol and stuff for him. Uh, it is not an all-time classic TV show. I will give you that, Scott. But it did have some funny moments, including the ever-famous It Is Balloon episode. The comic was published by Dell Comics and had a total of seven issues from August uh, of... I think it was from August of 66 to August of 67. This issue has a 12 cent cover price with a really bad photo cover. Uh, it's a groan worthy sight gag where Sergeant O'Rourke determines that the cannon works by reaching into it and having his hand exploded into uh, many fragments and maiming him for life. Uh, but the look on his face looks like he's being filleted. Fellatioed? So, what? Yeah, oh, exactly. But, uh, 
any anyway, you you would figure uh, with the cover that they're showing, it would really be a funny sight gag as he bleeds out and dies. <laughs> so the the book contained two stories <laughs> and two one page gags. Uh, the only credit I was able to find is that it's penciled by somebody named Tony Tallarico. The first story is titled "Don't Cross Your Bridges." In this story, Fort Courage is visited by Major Mud. His visit is started with a gag where a cannon salute separates his stagecoach from the horses that were pulling it. Ultimately, the guard tower is knocked down, the guard falls onto the Major, and while he's uh, a little bleary-eyed, they convince him that he bravely saved the guard so that he doesn't freak out. Anyway, That's not, once... that's not Major Harry Mud, is it? I, it could be. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, once we stop looking at that, once we stop laughing at that gag, we learn that he's come to build bridges using Indian labor. So the Akawi Braves start working for him instead of making souvenirs for the saloon that Sergeant O'Rourke secretly runs. Uh, we're then treated to some slapstick humor, which might have worked in live action, but really seems to be completely devoid of humor in, in this particular medium. Uh, particularly as rendered by the stiff and undetailed artwork in this book. The Major then gives the Hakawis double pay to reinforce Fort Courage's stockade to protect them from the Shug uh, tribe, which is the aggressive local Indian tribe. Of course, after they're finished, they fire the cannon again at the end of the day, but once again, it knocks down the guard tower. The tower falls against the stockade, which, despite the Hakawis' labor, falls onto the Major... And we join him the following day where he's all bandaged up and uh, he's leaving Fort Courage, issuing an order that they're never to use Indian labor again. <laughs> the second story is called The Buffalo Hunter. I wasn't going to synopsize this at all, but I think I will. It's a really bad story with really bad artwork with not funny jokes. That's the synopsis for that one. It's just... Terrible. Is, is somebody on the can or something in the background? Has Scott left us and walked away? He said, I've I was had enough. Muted. I was, it wasn't oh. me, man. I was okay. on mute. It's, uh, you know. Scott's I, walked away doing his laundry. I don't blame him, actually. This book is such crap. Uh, I, I tried, again, to view it through the eyes of its intended audience. And if I picked this up when it came out, when I was four or five years old I would have looked at this and I would have said what piece of crap so <laughs> I can't I, I just there's nothing it's not funny there's no point where it's funny there's no point where the artwork looks good uh, there's just there's no redeeming values whatsoever to this book I, I'm giving it an F all around for F Troop uh, yeah that too what'd you guys think of it <laughs> yeah Bing and a bang and a boom, F Troop. And I liked the TV show F Troop. I think it was funny. Crazy Cat, Chief Wild Eagle. Hey. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this transfers well to the comic. It's just, yeah. It, yeah. Mm. It has all the charm of a gold key Star Trek uh, comic. It reminds me a lot of a gold key Star Trek, actually. 
Um, I was just looking at this and and just judging it strictly on the art alone. I'm shocked that this was a Dell because I own precious few Dells in my own collection. They just were never really my thing. But my comic book Obi Wan, the uh, you know the old fella that uh, Chris Honeywell and I used to buy comics from when we were kids, Dell was really his thing. He had. Of course, you know, tons and tons of Marvels and DCs, which, you know, that's what Chris and I were interested in. That's what we bought off of him. But he was always trying to get us interested in, you know, the the comics that he truly cared about. And the thing that was the pride of his collection was his Dells. And he had tons of them going back to, you know, like four color comics and all that sort of thing. And to just see this and that this was a Dell shocks me because it's of just piss poor quality in the artwork i'm really shocked i mean i've seen coloring books with better art than this it's really bad and i don't know if it's supposed to be intentionally kind of bad because it's a comedy type of thing but yeah it's it's stiff it's lifeless and I can't believe how many of the gags in this. I don't think that they ever would have done anything like this on TV because I can't imagine in a 60s ki- uh, sitcom budget how they would have pulled off some of these gags in live action without getting somebody either seriously hurt or them being seriously expensive because a lot of these gags in this involve things that look like it would kill you. Like where they they knock over a, one of the lookout towers and it falls right on the men. Oh, they did that all the time. Well, it didn't land on the people, though. They knocked <laughs> yeah, over the tower true. all the yeah. time, but it never knocked over the people. Oh, and they okay. probably had one stock shot of it, and they showed that in every episode. Well, there's this one page here. Of course, I'm looking at the uh, at the CBR, but the on page 17 of the CBR, there's the shot that of the... Uh, is that a cannon blast, or what the hell? Is, yeah, it's a cannon blast that knocks over the, the guard tower... And it looks like it falls right on the guys. And then the panel at the very bottom of the page, you've got the one guy that's got a log on top of his head, and he's going, help! So it it looks for all the world like they're crushed by this thing, but it doesn't actually kill them because it's supposed to be comedic, I guess. Well, go to the next page when the log falls right on his head. Yeah, there you go, right on his head. So, I mean, again, in live action... But it says clunk, so it's funny. How, I mean, how could you do that in live action and, and not have it either be ridiculously expensive and beyond the budget, or have it, you know come off as as anything other than ridiculous because this thing didn't kill them like it should have that's styrofoam yeah i guess i don't know it's just i I agree really no redeeming value yeah it really does not have redeeming value at all it's really really rough well then they've got i just noticed on this one page in the next story here you've got the two uh, soldiers that come in and they lasso, they each put a separate lasso onto this guy's arms and then they ride in, in two different directions. Um, isn't that <laughs> drawing and quartering? <laughs> Why don't they just rip this guy in two, right? Yeah. That should, that should dislocate his arms at the very least. And it really doesn't do anything to him. That's kind of messed up. Yeah, it's Wow. What did you pay for this? Uh, I, I don't. <laughs> I have no no recollection. <laughs> if I whatever it was, it was too much. <laughs> How long have you had this in your? Has this been in your collection a long time? Uh, I you know I have no recollection of, of acquiring this book. I do not know. Wow. 
What are you, Oliver North? I really don't. <laughs> I don't remember where this I have came no from. recollection. I do not think I paid for it. I think it was. I think it was given to me at some point. Or wow. or it came. Hey, that, in, was, that was my excuse. Come on. Or or, or like yours, it came in a big bundle because because I, I, you know what? I probably would have paid a buck for it if I had found it somewhere for that, not realizing how bad it is. But, uh, you know, whatever whatever was paid for it, it was too much. Well, now you know, and knowing is half the battle. So don't buy any more damn F Troop because it's it's pretty. Yeah, because that one guy gets like what the guy at the end of the story is. What is he getting? Uh, the senator or whatever. He's gonna get killed by that buffalo. His leg gets hooked by his horn, and he's drug off into the wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> is that wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Wow. Okay. Well, this this book. Oh, maybe I did I, bring the best book after all. <laughs> you did. I, I have no doubt that you did. Uh, this book, given a choice, I don't know if I take. Uh, I'm not sure if I take this or Apollo Smile. Mm. I don't know. Are we? Are we in? Agree- I don't know if we're in agreement on that because I, you know, while I'm not saying it out of any sort of pride or whatever, I think I got the best book just because it's got the best. It's got the best cover on it. <laughs> Again, don't judge a book by its cover. I, uh, but I have to in this case because you know, we can't we can't judge them by the interiors because the interiors all suck. So I got right, I got, a, I got a mild kick out of Bill's book. I didn't get a kick out of yours or mine. So I'm going with I'm going. Right, with well, Bill's. there is there is that there is that. Yeah, I do if we like. Go by I covers like, alone, you win. If we go by overall, I win. I guess I'll grudgingly give you that. I did like the dolphin guy. What was the dolphin? What was his name? Was it Flipper? What was uh, his Slip name? St- I thought it was Slipstream. Slipstream. Oh, God. oh no! Wait, I can't remember. Hold on. Let me let me pull up my synopsis. Do 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 because I have it in there. Uh, surf Surf Streak. Sorry. <laughs> oh, good lord. No, I think Slipstream was the like the eagle had a name, but he changed it. He didn't like his name, so he changed his name to Soar, and then Surf Steak. <laughs> <laughs> Surf steak. <laughs> Tuna steak. <laughs> Sushi. <laughs> Chicken of the sea. Chicken of the sea. Charlie Tuna. <laughs> Sorry, Charlie. Did they have him talking like dude talk? You know, like like surfer dude speak? I think hip hop was more like the surfer. Oh, oh okay. So annoying. So annoying. So who 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 should voice the the brute force cartoon? Oh my god, Tom Kenny. Wait, which one is he? The dolphin? Yeah. <laughs> Who's Tom Kenny? He's the voice of SpongeBob. SpongeBob. Oh okay. Oh god. Um. <laughs> who, who did the voice of Poochie? Was that Homer? Because he could he could do uh, hip hop. I don't know. We should get Little Wayne to do hip hop. Yay! What? I think. I think. Uh... I guess that reference is lost on you, old dudes. I guess. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks podcast group on Facebook. 
Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com and is a registered trademark of DeManzocor of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Take a moment to stop by and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. You make me sound like a complete idiot. <laughs> well, wait a minute. <laughs>